The mind has a shape. Sometimes, for example, people see ghosts, isn't it? You ever heard of anybody who's seen ghosts? Hopefully none of us have seen one. But anyway, sometimes people see ghosts. And when people see ghosts, what does the ghost look like? Okay, what person? The one that died. The one that died. Looks like the person that died. Isn't that interesting? It has the shape of the body of the person who died. But what is that ghost? It's made up of mind, intelligence, and false ego. That's what it is. But it has a what? It has a form. As we are thinking and as we are feeling, those thoughts and feelings create a form. We're building a form of thoughts and desires. Now, just like with this gross body, each of us are wearing clothes, so we have our clothes fit on our gross body, right? It's not too small, it's, not just, it's, it's fitting. So this gross body is fitting around the form of the mind. No, it's like we're, we're building this form of thoughts and desires, and it goes to the karma store, and it finds some clothes that fit, which is this body. Okay? Which means that our body is a gross manifestation of our mind. mind. It's a gross manifestation of our thoughts. Who here, when they look in the mirror, just thinks, this is perfect? Anybody think that? Body. Somebody does. Okay. So then you're just then just keep on doing what you're doing. It's all right, right? But if, if we're not a hundred percent satisfied, then what should we be working on changing? The mind. The mind. It, it's our thoughts and desires that determine what kind of body we have. Suppose we're just thinking about Krishna. What kind of body will we get? A body like Krishna which is, of course, our original body. We'll revive our... It's very scientific. Whatever you think about, you get. So our body is that form. We talked about it's the master of the senses. That was a very nice analogy. That it's the center of the town and the senses are like the doorway. There's a nice story that uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was one time walking and he saw this man and he was reading Bhagavad Gita but the book was upside down. And people around him were laughing at him. And he said, uh, my dear sir, what are you doing? <laughs> and he said, I'm reading Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> he said, I see, but it doesn't appear that you are actually able to read Bhagavad Gita. So what are you doing? He said, my Guru Maharaj told me I have to read the Bhagavad Gita every day. And I told him, but I'm illiterate. I don't know how to read. He said, that's all right. You still read it every day. <laughs> okay. So at least he's going through the motions because he didn't actually know how to read. And Lord Chaitanya said, oh, but you're, you're the real reader of Bhagavad Gita. And he said, what do you mean? He said, I see that you're crying. And, and why are you crying? If you're not even able to read, what are you crying about? He said, well, there's a picture in my Bhagavad Gita of Krishna driving Arjuna's chariot. And when I think of how devoted the Lord is to his servant, then I'm crying. You are really reading Bhagavad Gita. And sometimes devotees would be with Prabhupada when he was speaking in Hindi. And still he'd say, there's some, I don't know if you're getting purified by my person. It's also, it's a material machine. The mind is not spiritual. Our original spiritual body can also think and feel and will. All the functions of the mind are there in our spiritual body. But the mind we have now is not spiritual, it's not us, it's simply a machine. It allows us to feel material existence. What's coming in through the senses, it's the, as I said, it's the interface between the soul and the body. Just like I can't feel what's coming in through your senses. You're seeing something. I have no idea what you're seeing. You know, how the marble floor feels to you, I have no idea. I, I can't sense that because my mind isn't in your body. My mind isn't connected with your body. So here's a nice diagram. And here you see in the heart of the living entity, there's the Supreme Lord, and the soul is represented just sort of in a neutral way. Of course, our soul has its own body that's a manifestation of its love for Krishna, but the artist didn't want to display that specifically because each of, our, each of us is an individual the form of some of our souls is that of a cow or a gopi or a gopa or a tree or a peacock or somebody. So that that's not able to be displayed in a generic picture. And you see the body of the machine, uh, like the 
in the, the what we call the brain, it's a computer with different boards and there's cameras and there's, you know, a, a microphone and like that within the brain and it's just made up of different pipes and tubes and wires and, you know, electrical things. It's a very intricate machine. But you have to have a control panel for the machine. So this is the control panel. See there's a gear shift there? And here there's a keyboard and a monitor. So just like how am I interfacing with this computer? I'm, I'm using this mouse and I'm using the keyboard. I, I can't communicate directly with the computer. So I have my wishes and I'm, my wishes are being expressed to the computer through the keyboard and the mouse. Or just like I'm speaking and it's going through the microphone and the wires to the speakers. So the mind is like that. The mind is the interface. It allows the soul to direct the body. Right? And as I said, the body is formed around the mind. It's a way for the, for the mind to express itself within the gross world. Right? Does anyone have any questions before we go on on what the mind is? Yes? Does the mind that, <coughs> does the mind that you have now travel with you if you do go back to uh, the spiritual world? Is it the same mind? No. Did everybody hear you say, does, does your mind go with you to the spiritual world? No. Yes? The mind that you said that's shaped around our, the body that we get to around our subtle body, does that change over time? Does our subtle body change over time? Yes. Does our gross body change? Like if you said our mind changes over time. It does your mind changes, your gross body changes up to a point. Just like sometimes you see husband and wife after some time start to look like each other. You ever seen that? Sometimes people start to look like their pets. They have contests, you know, who looks most like their dog. Have you seen this, right? I should get some of those photos for this <laughs> and put them in this PowerPoint. <laughs> they, they, they do. I mean, I, I one time was at the supermarket and I saw this woman who looked exactly like a warthog. <laughs> Except she didn't have the big teeth. But exactly. I was just like, I was standing in line thinking, wow. Or one time when I was at the Soho Street Temple. <laughs> so you know, the building's very small. And if you're living there, it's really small, and there's nowhere to go. The, the temple room is always full of preaching activities. You know, so if you want to, like, chant Joppa during the day, right, there's nowhere to go. The library is full of meetings. The office people are working. Your room is this big, big closet, and, you know, the temple room, there's preaching going on. So you think, I'll go to the park. <laughs> Bad idea. Anyway, so go to the park. There was this woman in the park. Her hair was cut maybe about this short. It was dyed yellow and on yellow, yellow, not like blonde yellow. And on top of the yellow, there were brown markings, and it looked exactly like a leopard fur. Exactly, it had been hair had been dyed just like leopard fur. So at one time in New York, I saw this woman who had pierced her cheeks and had silver fangs coming out of her cheeks. <laughs> so sometimes because his gross body can't very easily change exactly into the form we want, and people do like that, so they're already practicing for their next body. But when the, <laughs> when the mind takes a form that's impossible to display in this body, then what happens? You die. Anybody ever wonder why there's death? When we say the miseries of birth, death, old age, and disease. You ever wonder, well, why, why, did, why you know, is Krishna mean? This question came up the other day. Why is Krishna so mean that he's like booby-trapped the material world? <laughs> Not like that at all. But because we have thoughts and desires that can't be expressed in this body, therefore we have to die and get a new body. Does anyone, any, who here has some material desire that's impossible to fulfill in the body you have now? Don't you ever like want to fly? Didn't you ever want to be invisible? When I was a kid, I always wanted to be invisible and fly. Am I alone now? Nobody has another dream. Who here has ever wanted to be able to fly? There you go. Who here has ever wanted to be able to stay underwater for like 10, 15 minutes at a time? Who's ever wanted to like change their shape so you could, you know, sometimes take this form and sometimes another form? Who's ever wanted to do that? <laughs> <laughs> Can't do that in this body, can you? It just doesn't work. 
But then it does can change their shape. They can, you know, take whatever form they desire temporarily. So, you know, when we have these desires, then we have to get a series of bodies. And you forget your body because otherwise it's a disturbance. Right? Like when I'm an eagle, I'm remembering, oh, I used to be President Bush. You know, it's a little disturbing. So I have to just... It's like you're playing a part in different dramas. And when you're in one drama, you have to forget the part of the last drama. Otherwise, you'd be very confused. You can't be thinking, well, you know, right now I'm Macbeth, but I used to be Macduff. And, you know, I don't know if you know Shakespeare. <laughs> it's not going to work. Right? And what happens is, so suppose you don't have any more material thoughts or desires. Suppose all material thoughts and desires were to go away. What would happen to the mind? It would dissolve. What is the mind made of? Material thoughts and desires. So if you're not feeding it anymore, what will it do? It will die. That's called liberation. At that point, at the point of liberation, one's original spiritual body is awakened. One is no longer interfacing through the, through, with the gross body through a material mind. One's living inside the gross body as a shell. This is called Jivan Mukta. But one is there in the spiritual body. And a person in that state, their, their material body is no longer acting materially. Does that make sense? Yes. What's the function uh, when you're liberated? So how is it, what's it mean by which it states of Krishna? Like what... The spiritual body also has all the billions and billions and billions of times more facility than our present mind and body. So you said that the, the mind is the way that the soul can uh, um, operate the senses by medium. So I've heard lots of times that the function of the mind is accepting and rejecting. Yes. I don't quite understand what it means, the mind is accepting. Okay. Okay, so how does the mind affect us? Well, this is from the second chapter of Bhagavad Gita. And first we think about something. Now, remember the other day I was talking about Maya and how to conquer Maya? Yeah. And remember I said, okay, you can think about whatever you want, anything except elephants? <laughs> and what happens? You think about elephants. So whatever we think about, positively or negatively, which is why our, is our process so much detachment from Maya? What's our main process? Attachment to Krishna. We have to be able to recognize Maya. We have to be able to know what's Maya and what's Krishna. Otherwise, how can I think of Krishna? I'll think something Maya is Krishna. Are there many people in religious systems that think something that Maya is, Maya is spiritual? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> can we do that also? Oh, yes, definitely. We can think a weed is a nice plant. So we have to be able to distinguish between the weeds and the flowers. But our meditation should be on the flowers, not on the weeds. Whatever we think about, first we're just thinking about something. Whatever we allow, now that's not just a thought enters the mind. But really thinking about it. Oh, I'd really like to do this. What about this? What if this happened? If this happened, it would be nice. Or negatively, I don't want to do this. There's no way I'm going to do this. This is a terrible thing, and i just got to make sure I stop doing this, and I'm never going to do this again. Anything that we're thinking about, then we get to the point that it becomes an attachment. I must have that, or I must not have that. And then from attachment comes lust, which is, Lust is where the intelligence is no longer fully functioning. The attachment becomes so great that we're going to do it no matter what. It's, it's kind of like you cross a line. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, you, you cross a line that you, you can't really go back. I'm, I'm going to get it. It doesn't matter what obstacle comes in my way. I'm going to get it. And then from that comes anger. Why do we get angry? It's frustrated. Remember we talked about what happens to all of our material desires. What are the three things, right? Remember we went shopping? 
in the hypermarché. And what what happened with our list? Everything on our first things on our list. What what happened? What happened? When somebody else? What happened with most of the things on our list? They were too expensive, or they were out of stock. So most of our the things that we want, we don't get. Wake up, please. Most of the things that we want, we don't get. All right, now the things that we got, the things that our friends brought back from the hypermarché, what, what happened to a lot of those things? Someone hasn't said something. What happened to a lot of those things? It wasn't useful. It broke or it had, remember that big instruction manual written by somebody from China that we couldn't read? You know, it wasn't what we wanted or it broke. All right, so first thing, we want things and we don't get them. The next thing, things that we get, they're no good. Alright, now the things that are left from our list, those things, we got them and they were good. What's the problem with those things? They'll break eventually. They're all what? Temporary. Temporary. So everything, in the, all of our, all of the things the mind contemplates, either we don't, everybody, either we don't, thank you, or we get them and they're no good, good. or we get them, they're good and then they're temporary. How are we going to feel? Angry. Okay? We go to the store. We have our list. We can't get them. Ah, I wanted this thing. I saved my money for it. It's not available. I saved my money. I don't have enough money. We're angry. We get it. We spend our money. We spend 500 pounds or 500 euros. We bring it home. And it's no good. And we're angry. Ah, this thing doesn't work. It's not what I wanted. Or we get it, it's good, and then it's temporary, and so we lose it, and then we're angry. So whenever we're attached, we will become angry. Is anger fun? No. No. Right? It, it, it pollutes the whole, you feel dirty, isn't it? Can you get angry? Even chemically. Anger is a kind, it's like drinking a cup of poison, literally, chemically. When we get angry, it's like we drunk a cup of poison. Right, and when one becomes angry, then one becomes bewildered. When we're angry, can we think straight? When we're really angry. No, it's very hard. Sometimes with a great effort, you can control how you manifest your anger. You know, when I was about 23, I took a vow that I would never in anger say something I didn't mean when I wasn't angry. able to keep that. But it's not easy. When you're angry, you want to go to the people you care about and tell them how much you hate them. Isn't it? Am I the only one with this experience? Or, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when you're angry, when you, people punch holes in the wall. You know, sometimes you can go into a house and there's, a, there's framed pictures in odd places, you know, <laughs> in the wall behind them. <laughs> People do all kinds of crazy things when they're angry. Right? That's our excuse. Well, I, you know, I'm really sorry I did that. You know, I was really angry. And then we lose our intelligence. And when we lose our intelligence, we lose our memory. We forget everything in the Shastra. It just goes, it's gone. Not the body, Krishna's God, this world is not a place of happiness. This is all illusion, none of it makes any difference. Like, oh, we lose our, it, it, under the sway of lust and anger, right? Lust, greed, and anger do what? They lag. Everybody. Lust, greed, and anger do what? Lag. Lag our spiritual calm. We just go into a lag mode. Nothing's happening. We, we forget everything. Sometimes somebody has to come and say, are you both? <laughs> you know? Hey, this world isn't real. What are you getting angry about? A movie? Why are you getting angry about some flickering lights on the screen? Why are you getting angry about ones and zeros? That's all it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so when we lose one, and then when we lose our memory and our intelligence, then we can no longer act for spiritual advancement. Okay, the mind also not only affects us in this life, but it affects where we go. We were talking about this, you know. The mind affects what kind of body we're going to get. 
Because our actions lead to this kind of body. These actions lead to this kind of body. Or giving some donations lead to a heavenly body. And if we're thinking about Krishna, then we get a body to be with Krishna. Hmm? The bottom one becomes a dog. People want to enjoy illicit sex, then come dog. Dogs can have illicit sex, no problem. Right on the street. So people want, I mean, people in modern society, they want that, right? We see that as so mostly, unfortunately. Hare Krishna. Really noisy in the middle of the night, you think, oh, I gotta close the window, and you get stagger out of bed, and you go to close the window, you're just, my God, what are you doing on the street? So it becomes dogs. Heavy, there's a heavy place there. Whatever we think, that's Krishna's mercy. What we think about, we become. That's why we get another body, to facilitate desires that we can't have in this body. Right? If we just want to sleep, there's bodies for that. What body does one get? A bear. And you think, do I want to be a bear? One should think. You get to sleep half the year. Yes? Well, if, like, if you're practicing devotee and you find it hard to like, wake up in the morning, so you're really addicted to sleep, but you're really trying your best otherwise, so, and, yeah, so... Do you well, it depends. You know, are, are the bears... There's things that we struggle with. It's not that, that we're going to be perfect before we're perfect. Undoubtedly, the, the sadhaka, the practicing devotee, is going to have struggles. That's by definition. Of course. If you're a student, do you already know everything? No. Duh, if you already know everything, you wouldn't be a student. So that's okay. But you're supposed to graduate at some point. Does that make sense? Uh, we can stay a student for many lifetimes in spiritual life. So an offense on chanting is to maintain material attachments, not to have them. First of all, as long as we have a material mind, we're going to need more sleep. Most, most of sleeping is for the mind. The body needs about one and a half or two hours of sleep. It's the mind that needs the rest of the sleep. So those liberated persons who only sleep two hours a day, they don't have a material mind. So if you artificially try to sleep two hours a day while you still have a material mind, you won't be able to function properly. Actually, Prabhupada says in the Bhagavatam that sleep is, is related to intelligence. If you don't have enough sleep, your intelligence can't function. But if you're attached to sleep, if you're, if you're thinking all the time, all I want to do is sleep, I love I like Krishna, but as long as I can sleep too. <laughs> if we're attached to Krishna and something, and often in the name of service, you know, I want money so I can serve Krishna. <laughs> well, that, it's understandable in the beginning, but at a certain point we need to recognize. As we chant, we'll recognize these weeds as weeds. In the beginning, we think all of our weeds are nice flowers. And we're watering all of them. And at a certain point, you start saying, you know, I think they're too weed. <laughs> so then we're too, we shouldn't be attached. We have to sleep. We shouldn't be attached to sleep. We shouldn't think, this sleeping is the source of my pleasure. That's the problem. This money is the source of my happiness. This youthful body is the source of my happiness. Do you have something else from here? Yeah, so what I'm saying is, we're talking about the mind from the human perspective and how to say if we desire sleep, we'll get um, another super body like a bear. So how does an animal then um, desire or think to get a human body? How does that work? Uh, an animal doesn't desire to get a human body. That happens automatically. So if from the human body you fall down into an animal species, then you automatically go from that species up. There's a, there's a natural progression by which you're... Your various desires are being fulfilled and you're being prepared to get another human body. The human body is, is graduation. The human body is a gateway. Yes? Um, you said earlier um, that the mind um, dissolves when, when we have no longer have any material desires. What, what 
actually retains a lot help us to remember that so we don't fall back down from the spiritual world again. Because surely we have some... In, in our spiritual body, we have knowledge. But you always have free will. Do remember you always have free will. You don't become a robot. Free will sounds very scary in our present condition. We have, you know, you may think I'd rather be a robot, but really, you don't want, you really don't want to be forced. None of us want to be forced. Yes? After you get to Yamaha, is there some way you go to get trained for a new body? Sometimes, yes. Definitely happens sometimes. Depends on what new body you're going to get. You know, if you've been a president and you're going to become a king, a pig, you know, then you may have to spend some time being trained to be a pig. If we're going to go back to Krishna, then we go first to the planet where Krishna's having his pastimes in some material universe, and we get trained there. That's nice training. You don't see Yamaraj then. Okay, let me go on and then we'll take some questions at the end. Otherwise, I'll be yelled at if you miss the bus. Okay, so how is that? Is that going on? How the mind affects it? Yes. So it's one of the sitting places of lust. When Arjuna asked Krishna, he says, "Why is it that I want to do the right thing, but it just doesn't happen?" And Krishna said, "I remember when I first read that at university. I'm like, yes." What is the answer? And I turned the page and Krishna said, it's lust. I went, oh, that's what I wanted to hear. So, and lust is sitting in the senses, the mind, and the intelligence. And as someone mentioned before, that it's the repository of all our present and previous desires. And this, as you mentioned, it's about accepting and rejecting things. Now, the mind by nature is a servant. The mind by nature is not a master. So, so it can serve either the senses, like for an animal, the mind is just completely serving the senses. A dog smells something, and by smelling it, the mind decides, is this a dog eatable or is it not a dog eatable? You follow? Is it a female dog or is it not a female dog? Okay, if it's something a dog's supposed to eat, then I'll accept it. If it's not something a dog's supposed to eat, then I reject it. So the mind is following the senses. Or the mind can follow the intelligence. Just like who's here in university? Who's here in university? Who here has been to university and has graduated? All right. So all those of you who graduated or those of you who are in university, you made a plan with your intelligence that I'm going to get a degree. Right? Is that correct? All right. And then you had to accept or reject things in relationship to whether or not you're getting a degree. So someone else in the university says, oh, come and have a party. And you've got an exam the next day. So because you've made a goal, I'm going to get this degree, your mind says, no, we don't go to the party. We study for the exam. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the mind is, either the mind is serving the plan of the intelligence or the mind is serving the senses. And sometimes, you know, the intelligence makes a plan but the senses are pulling another way, and sometimes the mind follows the senses instead of the intelligence. Doesn't that happen sometimes? We make a plan, I'm going to do this and this and this, and something comes up and the mind says, well, if you really want to fulfill your plan, you should accept this. And the senses are pulling, oh, but I really want to do this. It smells good, it looks good, this tastes good. Good, good, good. And the mind says, oh, okay, we'll accept that. So someone said, therefore, it can be our greatest friend or greatest enemy. If our intelligence makes a plan, if our intelligence makes a plan, I want to serve Krishna. And therefore, the mind accepts and rejects everything that will help us on that plan. Then the mind is a great friend. But if the mind just follows a material plan, or if the mind is following the senses, then it's a great enemy. And it's kind of this tug of war. And there's another way that the mind is a great friend in spiritual life, which we'll get to in the next section. Okay, anyone have any questions about how we're affected by the mind? Yes? Um, so you said that the intelligence is saying, you know, remember your goal. And right. the, the senses are saying, yeah, but this is good. It sounds like it's, like, it's almost like the senses have intelligence as well. You know what I mean? It's like you've got... 
No, the senses are ju they're just receiving input. So if the mind is following the senses, what must be weak? The intelligence must be weak. The mind is a servant. So if the mind following the dictation of the sense, I mean, think about some time in your life when you had a very strong goal and therefore you rejected input from the senses that was attractive. Who's ever done that? Who's rejected attractive sensory input to achieve some goal? I think we all have. We must have. Didn't you ever do your homework when you wanted to play, you know, when you were a little kid? I mean, maybe your mommy had a big stick, I don't know, but just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's, all, there's been for all, we, we've had that experience, that something comes in from the senses that's attractive, but our intelligence is strong enough that the mind accepts things and rejects things in relation to the intelligence, yes. You know, like, when you're, like, young, and, for example, you go to school, and there's always someone in the class that doesn't ever revise for the exam, they still come out of A's and they start. But then there's other people who find it so hard, they still come out of D, D, F, and Those people have also got a stronger intelligence than others. Yeah, well, that's, but that, that's what you're saying, that sometimes people don't study and get great grades, and sometimes people who study get poor grades. But that's, then we're looking at karma. So just like, even if I worked my whole life, I probably would be an Olympic athlete. I mean, I used to, when I was like 13, I was pretty good on the gymnastic bars, but I'm never good enough to be an athlete. And I did go on a bicycle trip up the Rocky Mountains when I was 16. I don't think, I really don't think whatever I would have done, or I, I don't think I could have become like a, you know, first violin in the symphony orchestra. I never had any musical talent. Now, maybe if I worked really, 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 really hard, I could play an instrument well enough just for myself. I tried. I mean, I tried the piano, I tried the guitar, I tried, you know, I just never got anywhere. And other people, they just touch the instrument and it sings for them. So this is based on past life, on karma, on past credit. You know, each of us have our things that we're very good at and we have our things that we struggle with. But that's, that's a different definition of intelligence. Well, we're, the way we're defining intelligence here is the power of discrimination. Not so much, are you good in algebra? Or can you memorize Shakespeare? That, that's a different kind of intelligence. Because even somebody without very much of that intelligence at all, even somebody with like, you know, a 50 IQ, can have the intelligence to surrender to Krishna. That's just a different kind of intelligence. Okay? So all of our material emotions are experienced in the mind. Mind is thinking, feeling, and willing. Feeling. So all of our, everything is experienced in the mind. It's, we're not really experiencing it. In a conditioned state, this is almost impossible to understand because it seems like we're experiencing it, but we're not. And, and, you know, I'm going to go back to what is Maya. So, you're reading a book, or you're watching a movie, or you're playing a video game. Oh, that's not quite, oh, that's, you know, people get emotional video games. So you're doing these things, and some, the character, the character you're playing in the video game, the character you're watching in the movie, the character you're reading about in the book, or you know, or you're watching something on the watching news on television, and you're watching about the the war in the Middle East, okay, or in Iraq or something, and you see there's some little baby that they're dying, and the mother is crying. They like to show emotional things on television. The, the whole purpose of this entertainment is to bring out emotions, which is a whole other topic about function of emotions. So when, if you see that, you see on the news or in the movie or something, some mother is holding her baby that's dying, we feel sad, right? Don't you feel sad? Even you might read about it in the newspaper. You know, sometimes they just give you facts. Five people killed in the bombing. It's okay. More people said. Or they, but they may take the story. You know, Mr. Amid Muhammad's son, who's only five years old, died in Iraq, and you tell you the whole story, and there's pictures, and you may even be crying at the end of the story. But is it your grief? No. No. 
Oh, you read, you know, someone just won the 50 billion pound lottery. Is that your excitement? No. But you may feel something. You know, you may feel in the movie, oh, oh, they just, you know, they killed the enemy and you feel happy. But is it your happiness? Not your happiness. Is there a difference in the way you feel if you lost a million pounds or whatever much money you have? You lost all your money, or the character in the movie loses all their money. Is there some difference in the quality of that feeling? Yeah. You know, is there a difference when the character's mother died, or if your mother is sick? Is there some difference in that quality of feeling? One is, is your happiness or your grief, and the other is not. But when we're identifying with the movie, does it sort of feel like it's ours? It's almost as if we're feeling it. We're not really. My kid didn't get bombed. I didn't win the lottery. My mother isn't dying. Do you follow what I'm saying? But still I feel some grief. It's very hard to understand when we're conditioned. So what's happening now to our body and mind is just like a movie that the soul is watching. It is not us. So when things happen to this body and mind, I feel something on the level of the soul, something like I'm feeling when I'm watching a movie. But it's not the soul feeling it. The soul is just thinking, yes, this is, this is me. There's a big difference between something happening in the emotion of the soul and something happening just by association and attachment. Like there's a big difference between your own family member dying and you're crying because somebody in the movie has a family member dying. The quality of your emotion is different, isn't it? Isn't it a different quality? It's quite different. It's, I think that's an eyeful. Is that a little bit clearer? As we get to the point where we start experiencing our spiritual emotions, and that happens to some extent sometimes, even for neophytes. Sometimes when we're dancing and chanting in the kirtan, many times that's just mode of goodness, but sometimes we're starting to awaken our spiritual emotions. Don't raise your hand, but I'm just going to ask you, how many of you, since taking up Krishna consciousness, have had feelings that were unlike anything you felt materially? They couldn't be, I said, don't raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass people who don't raise your hand. Just, just answer it in your own mind. Have you experienced anything, any emotion, that was quali- in quality, and in quantity, but in quality, was very, very different? You couldn't really relate it to anything in the world. You're feeling some of your... That means you're waking up a little bit. That's a little bit of the of, of our own emotions. Our own spiritual emotions. And the neophytes say this is a little teeny, 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 tiny bit of an inkling of what our own feelings are. Is that more clear? We want to get to the point where we are constantly feeling our genuine spiritual emotions. And we no longer have anything to do with the material emotions. So people think if you have no material emotions, you're hard-hearted. No, you're overflowing with spiritual love. We don't want to just dissolve the mind and merge into the Brahman and have nothing. All right, how do we do this? Who's interested in how to do this? Okay, if you're not, you might as well go, because the rest of this is happening. We won't tell. You see even here? I don't know. Is the boss here? If you just want to stay on the mental platform and go to from body to body and not control the mind. Okay, so how to make the mind our friend? Always think about Krishna. Whatever we think about, that's what we become. Not that we become Krishna. You get a body like Krishna. Someone can think about Krishna when one's hearing about Krishna, when you're driving in the car, when you're cooking, when you're doing some work, when you're chanting. <laughs> Engage our senses in some practical service. Naturally, we'll think about what the kind of things that we're doing. If you do something in relation to Krishna, then it's not much easier to think about Krishna. <clears throat> and of course, we can chant Hare Krishna. Now, when we chant Hare Krishna, we shouldn't just be chanting Hare Krishna with our mouths. 
I want to do a little exercise right now. Just close your, close your mouth. And let's just, in our mind, the little voice in our, in our head, I'll say it out loud, but you don't say it aloud. Just say it in your head. We'll say the mantra, Maha Mantra in our head. Just in your head. Don't say words. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna. Just in your head. Don't, no, no sound. Krishna, Krishna, Hare, 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 Rama, Hare, Rama, 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 Hare, Hare. Now I want you to try it again. I'll, I'll talk, but don't you talk. Say it in your mind. And while you're saying in your mind, see if you can see the words of the Maha Mantra in your mind. Okay? So as you, when you think Hare, get a picture in your mind of the word Hare, H-A-R-E. Okay? So again, don't say anything. I'll say something. Don't say anything. Just think. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Alright, now those of you who can see the TV, and uh, if you want, you, you have your choice here. You can look at Gorni Thai, and looking at Gorni Thai, for the first half of the mantra, concentrate on Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. For the second half of the mantra, concentrate on Lord Nityananda. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna, Ram Hari, Ram Hari, Ram 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 Hari Hari. Or Krishna Balaram, if you can want to focus on Krishna, your choice. If you want to focus on Krishna Balaram for the first half of the mantra, thinking Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Second half on Balaram, Hari Ram, Hari Ram, Ram Ram, Hari Hari. Or if you want to look at Radha Govinda Madhava, Hare is Radharani, Krishna is Krishna, and Rama is also Krishna, the enjoyer of Radharani. So Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So again, we're just going to do this in our mind, in our mind. And if you can do all three, if you can just look at the deities and think the words, that's fine. If you can look at the deities, see the words in your mind, and see the deities, that's also fine. Okay? So again, don't talk, just in the mind. I'll say it out loud and focus on the deities. Hare Krishna, just in the mind. So you're hearing your mind. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, don't talk, Krishna, Krishna, Hare, 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 Rama, Hare, Rama, 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 Hare, Hare. While you're chanting your japa, that's the kind of thing that should be going on in your mind. Okay? Okay, practice. And prayer. See, practice takes prayer. And it, practice means you, you, your mind will wander. All of a sudden you'll be chanting and you're thinking about, who knows what? Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. So let's do one practice where we're chanting both out loud and in the mind. Alright? So this time, I, I do want to hear what you're saying. But as you're chanting out loud, also chant with the mind. Let's do it for one mantra. And you can focus on the deities, you can focus on the word in your mind, you can just hear the sound of the mantra also in your mind, or all of those together, whatever works for you. I have to chant both with your mouth and with your mind. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Who felt that they could do that at least reasonably well? For one mantra. Try it again. You can choose either saying the words in your mind as you're saying it with your mouth, seeing the picture of the words in your in your mind as you're saying it with your mouth, focusing on the deity while you're saying it with your mouth, or some combination of those. Right? It's the whole one whole mantra. Okay? I want, I want to hear us again. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Who was able to do that at least reasonably well for that one mantra? Higher, so I can see. Higher. Okay, much better. We'll try it one more time. I can feel. Could you feel a difference? No. Okay, try it one more time. One mantra. On the on the deities, on the how the words look, how they sound in the mind. One mantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Who was who able to do that at least reasonably well? Up, up, so I can see. Oh, very good. Okay, I'm going to do this one more time. I'm going to add a little something to okay. I'd like you to think about sometime, maybe it was even today, when you thought, you know, I really, really want to love Krishna. I really, 
doing this for Radhika Kulananda, or I'm doing this for Radhika Vindamadava, or, you know, I'm, that very specifically, I'm doing this service for Krishna in this form. One can think about the philosophy. Right? The philosophy is also Krishna. One can think about how the soul, we, as we see things in the world, everything that we see, everything we hear can remind us, oh yes, this reminds me of this thing in the philosophy. This reminds me of this thing in the philosophy. This reminds me of this thing in the philosophy. And that way we can control our minds. So these are the different ways we talked about controlling the mind. Thinking about Krishna. Chanting with attention. Engaging our senses. Thinking about how to spread the movement. Thinking about the form of the deity. Thinking about the philosophy. So the mind is material. It's not us. It's a machine. It's a form of our desires and thoughts and determination. It's a servant of something. It takes us to our next body. It can be our friend or our enemy. And we can control our mind by positive action that attracts Krishna. So this is... This is a very interesting point, and this may be a little bit difficult for some of us, but try to get this point. Lord Kapila Dave has a whole description of how to meditate on the Lord and enter into samadhi. And then he says, the mind is used as a hook to attract Krishna. So we're talking about using the mind to think about Krishna, using the mind to think about Krishna as we're chanting using the mind to think about Krishna's pastimes, using the mind to think about the deity, using the mind to think about how to spread Krishna consciousness. As we use the mind like that, what's happening to the mind again? It's doing what? It's dissolving. Interesting, isn't it? And ultimately, when we come to the state of perfection, where we're always thinking about Krishna in love, are we doing that with our material minds? No. So what happens in between there? One's using the mind as a hook. Just like if somebody wants to catch a, a, an animal or a fish, they put out some what? Bait. There, we want to attract Krishna. How do you attract Krishna? He's Atmarama and Aptakama. He's pulling himself and he can fulfill his own desires. Bhakti Siddhanta said we should act in such a way that Krishna wants to see us. How do we attract Krishna? Krishna's the all-attractive. How do we attract Krishna? Yes. By serving his devotees? Yes. But specifically here with the mind. Because Lord Kapiladeva says the mind is used as a hook to attract Krishna. By surrendering our mind. What happens? All these things that we've just been talking about. Tell me, are we going to be able to do them perfectly with our mind? Anyone think you're going to be able to do this perfectly with your mind? I don't think so. The Srinath Chakravati Thakura said, even at the stage of Nista, even when one is steady, Nasta Prashur Bhadrashur, Nitchim Bhagavata Seveya, Bhagavata Uttanasoke, Bhakti Bhavati Naishtaki, even when one's material desires are almost nil, and when one's body, mind, and word is fixed in Krishna consciousness, he said, even at that point, sometimes the mind just goes somewhere and you don't know where it got there. At that point, it's considered liberation. Brahma, Buddha, Prasanama. At that point, one is fully joyful and never hankering or lamenting. And still, the mind goes someplace and we're like, what happened? Why am I thinking about this? So please don't be discouraged. Our point is not to have absolute, perfect, total control over the mind by our own determination. Is that possible? No. Even great yogis who are able to do that, how much would it take for their mind to become deviated? Very small thing. They hear a little sound. What is that? Sounds like women's jewelry. Mind finished. So, if you didn't know that story, but anyway. So even if by, by mechanical means of determination, even if we could do that, the mind is still subject to being distracted. That is not perfection. The reason we are doing these things is not to try to have total yogic control 100%, which is never possible anyway. 
The, the intelligence is so impure at such a state. Our purpose is to attract Krishna. Now, even for us, if we see that somebody's really trying to do something for us, is really trying to make us happy, how do we feel toward that person? Grateful. Don't we feel affectionate? Don't you, don't you have some, doesn't some positive feeling of affection flow to somebody? who's always trying to do nice things for you and always thinking about you? It's natural. Isn't that one of the the reasons that we're all attached to our mothers? You know, I mean, one reason is our body was inside of her body and nourished by her body. But another reason is that that's, you know, I mean, if some of you have a really bad mother, I apologize. But generally speaking, our mother is somebody, and in this world sometimes it's terrible mothers, but generally our mother is a person who's always thinking about us. I mean, right now, is your mother probably thinking about you at least one time today during the day? Probably. How's my kid doing there, you know? In France, I wonder if they're okay. It's natural. And therefore, we're inclined. Aren't we all inclined to our mother? It's natural. So, Krishna, when we're thinking of him, just suppose, you know, someone's thinking of you all day long. Of course, materially, that can be annoying because people are trying to exploit us when they do that. But when we're trying our best to think of Krishna, Krishna becomes attractive. And he says, oh, let me go there. And then Krishna will manifest himself in his name. Krishna will, he's already in our hearts, but we'll see him in him. He'll man, he's everywhere. <laughs> he's in every atom. And when he's attracted to us, then he'll show himself to us. So that is perfection. Then when Krishna manifests there, then we wake up, usually, gradually, into our spiritual body. That's what we're going for. And that's ultimately why we want to control the mind. I hope you understand that. It's a little advanced. Okay? So this instruction is repeated twice in the Bhagavad Gita, in the ninth chapter and the 18th chapter. Krishna says, always think of me and become my devotee. Worship me and offer your abhijan to me. Thus you will come to me without fail. I promise you this because you are my very dear friend. So this is very important. You always think of Krishna. You always take our mind to Krishna. And that's, this, that's really what we're trying to do. We're not just simply trying to, you know, wash the floor. Yes, question? Yes, one thing that... Big pastime uh, with Lord Chaitanya on the king of the Buddhist temple, uh, explaining all the things to the mind with the help of the devotees, and uh, so that Lord Chaitanya can sit in our heart at the end. So the whole process is very nice, but ultimately, one more time, we depend on the mercy of the spiritual master, Krishna, and the devotees also. Because that Krishna that ultimately makes the connection in between the senses and the object of the senses and, uh, and cuts this attraction also and makes the mind insulated from all kinds of contamination. So ultimately Krishna makes our mind uh, immune to any kind of infection. <laughs> Of course, when there is a uh, when there is a will, there is a way. So it means if internally we don't want to be so much connected with Krishna, but much more with our material desires, it will be difficult to pray sincerely and to be detached to our mind, detached from the object of the senses. Yes. the problem of most of the devotees is that they pray for Krishna to be detached. Yes, we are hugging the tree and asking to be taken off. It is not possible to do this just with willpower. And in all these things I'm talking about, they're all the mercy of the devotee. To serve the mission, one must be working with the devotee. To get the holy name, one must be connected to a devotee. To understand the philosophy, one must be connected to a devotee. All these things depend on the mercy of the devotee. And as I, I, as I was saying, this is not just a question of willpower. The exercising our will attracts Krishna. I do guarantee you that if you chant, if you at least make an effort to chant Japa and chant in the Kirtan the way we were practicing, that it will be almost impossible to hold on to material desires. 
And the reason that we don't always chant like that is we want to hold on to material desires. And then we say chanting is very difficult. So if we chant like that, then we get the mercy of Krishna and Guru. Are you telling me I have to stop? Are you asking a question or are you telling me I have to stop? The first one. Okay, well, thank you very much. I hope everybody has a lovely day today. I'll go to Krishna.